Hey guys, it's Shawnee. Welcome back to Lola Scotland Podcast. So I wanted to start this episode off by letting you know a story that one of my friends have just told me the other day, something that they went through last week. And it's a bit of a crazy story from like a small town in Scotland. And I don't know much else bar what she's already told me. And I just thought it was interesting to kind of let you in on some of the things that happen around the area that I live in. And it's not a bad area at all. It's a really like good area that I live in in Scotland. But it just shows you that anything can happen anywhere really. So she called me up last week and told me about something that happened like in her house or near her house basically it was about five o'clock in the morning and she was sleeping and it was her and her boyfriend and her daughter that's in the house so she heard all these noises and thought that they had went to bed and left the telly on so they thought oh it must it must just be the tv so she went through the living room turned the tv off which was on like the stagnant netflix screen so it wasn't actually making any noise so she turned off the telly and then she realized that there was still all this commotion so it must have been coming from outside so she looked outside and there was a guy running about the street that she lives on so this guy was like shouting and shouting and running up and down the street which it's not a very big street either it's like a cul-de-sac if anyone knows what that is so she was thinking like what is this guy up to so like started to like watch him obviously because he's like running up and down the street shouting bloody murder and she said that he was shouting like i've been stabbed i've been stabbed so she's like oh my god like what's happening like what is this guy up to but apparently he was like chapping on all the doors and he was like banging on their door but obviously she wasn't wanting to like open the door up because she doesn't know who this guy is and he's running about crazy up and down the street shouting that he's been stabbed but then he's running around and he doesn't actually look like he's been stabbed in any way so she wasn't opening the door obviously she's got a young daughter in the house she's not wanting to let some random in at five o'clock in the morning obviously like ready to phone the ambulance or the police if he needs to obviously but then she notices that there's another guy and a girl down the bottom of the street and this girl lives on the street so she notices that this guy is the boyfriend to the girl that stays on the street and the other guy she has no clue who he is but the girl and the other guy are now like fighting the girl's trying to get something out this guy's hand but my friend said that it wasn't a knife that she could see and all this is happening while the boyfriend is running up and down the street still shouting bloody murder she then said that the boyfriend picked up like a child's bike that was in one of the neighbor's gardens ran down and full force like flew it into the guy's head whacking him in the head stunning him like putting him to the ground like absolutely floored him he was out he must have came back around quite fast because then they're up again and fighting and the guy's running away again and the girl's screaming obviously this is like a small town very quiet <laughs> so it's a it's a big thing and then she said that there was a car that was like running but there was no one in it so presumably this was the car the guy's car he then gets in the car and proceeds to drive up and down the street after the boyfriend trying to run him over going over everybody's front gardens driving the car trying to knock this guy down 
because the guy's running across everyone's front garden. I, I mean, crazy. And then she said as well, this was, this was the funniest part of the whole story, she said that the black bins had been put out that day so that obviously the bin collectors were coming to get it the next morning and not one bin got knocked down in all of this commotion with the car driving over people's front gardens and everything. Then apparently the car drove off, sped off, obviously couldn't catch the guy. She then heard him, the boyfriend, telling another guy from up the street what was going on and what happened but then he didn't mention getting stabbed at all or anything obviously this all happened like super fast as well i mean she she didn't call the police or anything because there was another guy out on the street now and like the threat was away and if the other guy like the boyfriend was hurt in any way then obviously had help now so that's fine and obviously she didn't know what the story was and what had happened or anything so the police had already been phoned clearly because because there was loads of other lights on well next minute the police had shown up so she knew she didn't have to get involved it was already handled and the police show up and go to their door they obviously speak to them for quite a while they speak to neighbours they're chapping up all the doors they chat my friend's door asking her what happened and obviously she doesn't know what's happened she just obviously said to them I heard a commotion and that's that's about it so Apparently the police have been up every single day since then and that's been nearly a week now. So who knows what even happened to be honest because it's just a bit random and crazy that something like that happened in such a small town, Scotland, that there's this, this random guy running about trying to mow people down on their front garden. Just, I, I just wanted to share that story with you because, I mean, the guy's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with him when the police shows up. He didn't mention anything about a stab wound or show the police a stab wound or anything. And she found out a couple of days later that he was absolutely fine. It was obviously just whatever drugs he was on or alcohol fueled, whatever. And he was clearly scared of the guy with the car that was attacking them. So maybe he was just trying to get a reaction from people so that they would phone the police for so that he could get some help. But I know they think that he was innocent, to be honest, because it was such a random thing to happen at five o'clock in the morning. No one shows up at your door at five o'clock in the morning in a small town like that unless you have done something to them personally or you're involved in something shady you know like nothing like that happens unless you're involved in something it's definitely not like a spree of crime that we'll be talking about or anything like that it's just one of the things that happen in a small town to be honest i've got loads of stories from our small town like quite similar and worse as well so it always turns out to be an issue between two guys or two girls or whatever that they've done something or stole something or there's drugs involved and to be honest it's not like a bad area either it's just because half the people that live in this area the only thing that they've got to do is drugs but it's they're not like druggy well some of them some of them are so anyway yeah that was just like a little story of what's happened in the last week and all this went down as well during like the quarantine that we're in as well so I mean it's just it's just random crazy people cause an issue when there shouldn't be issue because they should be in their house anyway because we're in lockdown come on guys don't be silly stay in your house <laughs> that's about it that's the only advice I can give you Today's story is called Murder in the Mountains 
and it's all about this guy, John Watson Laurie. He was born in Coatbridge in Scotland in 1864, being square-jawed but slightly built, walked with a rolling gait, teeth were white and regular, exceedingly fond of dress and often found wearing knickerbockers. Which, by the way, I had to Google this as well because I have heard of knickerbockers before but I just had no clue what they were. And basically, if you type it into Google, the pictures will come up and they're baggy trousers. And see, when you actually see the pictures, you go, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. If you ever watch shows like Peaky Blinders, like, I'm 100% positive they've been in Peaky Blinders, like, 100 times. So, yeah, very smart dressed of the time. I think it was, like, very fashion forward and posh to wear these things. He was a pattern maker for locomotive steam trains, which is basically where... They're like a, a carpenter and they make wooden casts for train parts so that they can be like mass reproduced. So it's like making moulds out of wood. He was doing this in Glasgow. He was jilted by his fiance in 1889 after a scandal about money going missing at his place of work. He was never charged though because his family had repaid the cash basically to get him out the clear. So it wasn't ever like formally noted that it was him that done it but obviously they knew because why would his family repay the cash if he hadn't done it. In a letter he writes later on in life he gives like a long-winded speech about how she left him for another teacher that she because she was a teacher but it wasn't actually the case that was just his side of the story that oh she didn't leave me because of anything i done she left me because she had fell in love with someone else and ran off with this other teacher basically to try and make him the the victim so i thought it was quite funny when i was researching this that this phrase came up from someone at the time that had made like light of what happens in a way but obviously it's not a situation to make light of when someone dies but I did think that this was quite appropriate. There's all these jokes that go about in the world I hope well I hope the world but there's loads of jokes that go about in Scotland and England and stuff where it's like a Scotsman an Englishman and a Welshman and an Irishman and blah de blah and then there's loads of jokes that go along with it but this one that someone said at the time about this story was a Scotsman and an Englishman went up a hill and only one came down alive. So let's find out why that statement is true. On the 12th of July 1889, it was Glasgow Fair Week. Edwin Rose, 32 from London, was travelling by steamer, which is a boat, from Rosse to Arran. He was going there for a week's holiday. He met Laurie, who was 25 at the time, who introduced himself as John Arendale. For whatever reason, the pair decided to travel to Arran together and share lodgings on the island. Two men, Mr. Miko and Mr. Thom from Linlithgow, who were friends of Rose, had met the pair and Aaron together. The four of them went boating and walking, shared meals, things like that. They they basically hung out together. One night on the 13th of July, they were sharing a meal together. Laurie asked Rose to walk to Goatfell, which was a hill in Aaron, to which one of the other men had warned Rose against doing, saying to Rose that he had got a bad impression from Laurie 
found him to be too silent and uncommunicative and still had little to no idea about the man or where he came from. Rose had said to him that he would not go up the hill with him and try and lose him the next day. So basically that means Laurie. He was going to try and lose Laurie the next day because he was going to heed his two friends' warning. The two men, Mickle and Thom, left the next morning on the 14th of July when their holiday ended and Laurie and Rose both saw them off at the ferry port. The next morning on the 15th, Laurie and Rose left their lodgings and didn't tell landlady Mrs Walker where they were going. She assumed they were trying to get away without paying because they had basically left without warning. She thought they were being a wee bit sus, I think especially Laurie. She did know about them previously talking about climbing Goatsfell, so she didn't do anything because she thought they are free to come and go as they please time-wise, but I, I get a funny feeling about what's going on here, so I'll just keep note of what, what they're up to. Maybe they're just going to climb Goatsfell. The next morning, she noticed that neither had risen by 11am. Mrs Walker thought this was a bit strange. She knows that people often sleep in when they're on holiday, but this was quite late and she hadn't seen any of them getting up, basically. So she entered their room to find that all their things were gone. Both beds looked like they'd been slept in and both sinks had been used. Only a few items remained left behind, one of them being a tennis racket, so that's like really random, but it was noted, so I thought, why not let you know? She did not raise the alarm though to the police or local authorities because it was quite normal for people at the time to like skip out on paying for their lodgings. They came over to the island from the mainland on fair week and like dodged their bill basically. So she took the hat which I think it, it was about £11 which would have been a lot of money back then but not so much that it would warrant getting the police involved in probably never getting it back anyway because let's face it they've probably if they've came planning to do that they've probably not used their right name and they've went back to the mainland already and they could be anywhere so it wasn't worth her time to try and report it to the police. Rosie's brother was waiting for him at the station for his arrival back from his holiday. He became worried when he didn't arrive back on the train that they had pre-arranged for him to come back on. So he contacted his lodgings on Isle of Butte, where he had been before Aaron, to which he was told he left for Aaron with another gentleman, but did not return. He then got in touch with the police and they investigated, finding out that Rose had indeed gone to Aaron with John Arendale. They then found the lodgings they were staying at and heard of them disappearing, but John was seen to leave the island the next day alone. Rosie's brother travelled to the island on the 27th of July. He found out that the pair, Rose and Laurie, had climbed Goatsfell on the 15th and Rose hadn't been seen since. A search party of around 200 islanders searched the Goatsfell area. On the 4th of August 1889, they found the body of Rose, decomposing under a large granite rock ledge with around close to 40 large granite rocks built up in front and against the body to conceal it. The body was face down and the jacket was turned upwards to cover the head. So basically what that's saying is it was definitely placed. It wasn't put 
in an area where it could be like he fell and he's just lying there at the bottom of a ledge where he fell. The rocks have been built up against his body to conceal it in an obvious way. And obviously his jacket's up over his head. So presumably that would be because the murderer wanted to cover his head, face, while he was building up the ledge in front of him, possibly. The body was found near the head of Glen Sanox and at the foot of the precipities between Goatsfell Summit and the saddle. I've put a picture on Instagram so that you can see exactly where the body was found and just see the landscape of what I'm talking about. The fall, if that is what happened, if he fell, according to Laurie later on, the fall would have been big, like it would have been massive. When his body was found, they noticed that the skull was shattered and the spine was badly broken. The autopsy found the cause of death to be a heavy blow to the head with a stone or other heavy item. After being stunned by the initial blow, Rose was finished by some other heavy instrument crashing through his skull. Suspected that the murderer must have dragged the body down the cliff to the spot where it was found. Sergeant Monroe, in charge of the investigation after the autopsy, had ordered that his foot be removed and buried at high water mark at the seashore at Corrie. This was on the mainland. This is basically a superstition from the highlands. They believe that if you bury the boots just offshore, this will prevent the ghost of the murder victim from walking the land of the living. Excerpts from the newspaper had said, The painful suspense and anxiety regarding the fate of missing tourist Edwin Rose of London has now ended. The worst fears realised by discovering his remains near the heads of Glen Sanox yesterday afternoon, under circumstances which leave little room for doubt that his death has not been the result of an accident. So basically this is the newspapers declaring that it was not an accident, the evidence does not show that he fell and they are announcing to Britain that there is a murderer on the loose. Laurie fled to Liverpool when the news broke of the body being found and he wrote to newspapers in a kind of Jack the Ripper-esque style even gloating in one that I smile when I read that my arrest is expected hourly. Jack the Ripper murders were happening at the same time and he was very famous for getting in touch with the local newspapers and writing these long-winded and sometimes short as well letters on I believe that one of them had announced that he'd killed someone before that they had even found the body so it was like last night I was out and I found this woman and she is now dead and that would basically be his way of communicating with the police that they had to go find another body and there's there's loads of other things as well like Jack the Ripper case is so interesting and it's not really obviously anything to do with Scotland because it didn't happen in Scotland but maybe one day we can cover that as like a a little extra if you guys want so let me know on Instagram if you want to do that because I do find the Jack the Ripper murders like super interesting as well I've read um, a book on it and I've also watched like loads of TV programs on it there's hundreds out there to watch and obviously a lot of movies have been based on it as well. So 
Yeah, it's super, super interesting. So Laurie's obviously getting a lot of inspiration from what Jack the Ripper's doing right now. And he does contact the newspapers on a few occasions. One of the letters is so long that I'm not going to read it to you because it would literally be longer than this podcast probably by the time that I actually spat it out. But yeah, you can find it online. It's on Murderpedia and there's it's all over Google as well, like the letters that he sent. But they were basically like super long letters that were not really... It didn't really give you a lot of information. He was basically just trying to justify himself. So, uh, yeah, totally long. On the 3rd of September, Laurie was spotted attempting to board a train. This was at Fernagair Station. He was chased by local police officers into a nearby woods where some of the local workmen helped give chase. Two boys who were already in the woods had seen this happening and pointed the and the workmen in the right direction so they soon came across him he was trying to use a shaving blade attempting to commit suicide by cutting his throat but the wounds were only superficial so it wasn't happening the police caught him before he could do any real damage anyway he appeared in edinburgh charged with murder he admitted to robin rose but denied killing him he said that he died in a fall and then he robbed him and concealed the body to hide the robbery so he was claiming that it was all an accident he fell but then when he fell and he knew he was dead he decided to rob him after rather than trying to get help or let anyone know what had happened so then he concealed the body to hide the robbery the trial was sensational in its day it was widely publicized and it generated a lot of public interest the court saw queues of people every single day trying to hear firsthand the gruesome nature of the crime by going to sit in the gallery all evidence in the trial was circumstantial though there was no blood found on any of his clothes but he did have stolen property of the victim a cap and a cane were found further up the hill just off from where the body was found not hidden so why would these not have been hidden if a murder was committed it seems unlikely that laurie would have missed hiding these items if it was premeditated. The jury convicted after only 45 minutes of deliberation. The majority came back as guilty. The charge was given based on Laurie's conduct and run from the law after the said event. So basically they didn't have enough evidence to convict him for the murder off the bat but the jury have came back and said that because he ran away and was writing these letters into the newspapers even though he was declaring his innocence in the letters and saying that the only reason why he's ran away is because he knew that he was going to get pinned for the murder. He was sent to Peterhead Prison which was notorious at the time as being one of the worst prisons. He was later transferred to Perth Asylum in 1893 as he was deemed mentally unfit. He died in the asylum in 1930. He was the longest serving prisoner in Scotland. He served 40 years and 11 months. So you can decide whether you think this is a bad accident turned opportunity for a robbery or if it was cold-blooded murder. 
another source at the time had said to the newspapers when all this was going on that he believed that murders on the hill is easy after all who can prove a push or a fall but obviously that doesn't really turn out right for Laurie because whether he did or did not murder Rose he did get convicted of murder so I take it they they kind of did prove that he was murdered. I think that if if he did my belief right is that if he did murder him would it not be easier like thinking about that sentence of murder in the hills is easy after all who can prove a push or a fall very true if he did want to murder him it would have been so much easier for him to knock him round the head and push him down one of the ledges and then run down to the town and say oh my god my friend has fell please send help I don't know if he's alive or dead I had to run away to get help because we're up in the middle of the hills and there's no one around and then they would have rushed up they would have seen the body and there wouldn't have been much questions after that because obviously you need to remember this is like the 1800s quite late 1800s but there's still not like there's no such thing as DNA evidence there's no such thing as like patterns and it's just it would have just been so much easier for him to get away with that so to me I'm a bit like did he commit the murder if he could have just done that or was it an accident and then because he's pretty much a scumbag he's decided to rob his pal when he's dead and not get him any help and run away it sounds to me more like Laurie was the kind of guy that would do that over murder so I don't think he was a cold-blooded killer just out of the way the story reads as well it just doesn't seem likely that he was he would I yeah I don't know it's like you decide as well let me know what you think too because I just feel like it's all too convenient that they got someone for murder for it when he doesn't really seem like a killer to me a scum yes ah uh-huh, definitely who robs someone that's meant to be your friend and leave them like dead basically hide their body from their family absolutely ridiculous but does that make you a murderer i don't know i think that if you were going to murder him you could do it in so many different ways but then maybe he just wasn't smart enough to think about that at the time and just thought if he had the body people would just think that he went missing and the body would never be found so he would just be off scot-free anyway maybe he just thought that maybe he just thought yeah i'll kill you and hide your body up in the mountains because you'll never be found anyway so yeah you could probably think about it that way as well anyway that's just my head rambling thinking over this one where it's not it's not fact it's just opinion from me but yeah totally let me know what you think about this one as well i just thought that this one was quite interesting because they were complete strangers before this weekend away that they had over glasgow fair week and then all of a sudden this guy's dead and this guy's now in prison for like 40 odd years and to be honest that's like a major sentence as well like people you hear so many stories of bad things that happen nowadays 10 times worse than this and they're getting not even half that amount of time 
the previous episode that I'd done about Edith, John and Jamie, the House of Blood murders, oh my god, like that was three innocent people absolutely slaughtered in their own home and they only served like 13 and 12 years. This guy may or may not have murdered someone, either way someone is dead, and he gets nearly 41 years for it. Like, how is that fair? I don't get that. I think we're far too lenient these days. Don't get me wrong, if someone died is 40 years, is 40 years a long time if someone's died? I don't think so. I think that if you've been proven, like, beyond reasonable doubt that you are 100% guilty of killing and taking another life, is any amount of time too short or too long, whichever way you want to look at it. Mm, I don't think so. I think that you don't deserve to continue, maybe. I don't know. It would depend on it would depend on the case, I think. It would depend on the case and what what they had done and the circumstances around it and things like that because obviously people I don't know. I think we're getting way too deep into it. This is, I think I'm just going down a hole of way too deep not knowing what I'm saying, really. I've literally just woke up as well, so I'm, I'm literally just getting this done right now. My boyfriend has went out to take his motorbike to the garage to get an MOT, and I thought, oh, great, I'll use this time with peace and quiet in the house to do the John Watson lorry case. Yeah, I've not even finished my cup of tea, which is now cold, so I should have probably gave myself enough time to drink my tea first and then this episode would probably make a bit more sense. But, you know, guys, these things happen. So anyway, thanks for listening again. Please jump on to Instagram and Twitter and let me know about what you think have a look at the photos as well because I've put quite a lot of photos on this one because I could find loads of them and it's pretty cool seeing the old photos because of Goatsfell and the the land and things like that these were all in evidence the jury would have seen as well so it's it's really cool to see that from way 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 back in the day so yeah thanks for listening again guys and I'll see you in the next one bye